Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. for you to stand to your feet. We're gonna look at the word of God right here and our friend Matt's gonna come up and he's gonna kick us off with a, couple, with a teaching text for today. All right, let's go to the sword of the spirit this morning. Luke 9.23 reads like this. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me daily. I forgot to put that in there, sorry. That's very important, daily. <clears throat> That's gonna be in the message. <laughs> Luke 1, 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to, a man, to marry a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come, come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. The Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, in her sixth, is in her sixth month. For no word from, the, from God will ever fail. I, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to, be, to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. message I want to talk to us about today is this. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Would you join me in prayer right now? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much uh, for your word, for this Christmas season also that reminds us that you are a God who is near to us. You are Emmanuel, God with us. And I know that you're here. Your presence is here in a real way. Even with those that are with us online, listening, watching online, you are with them right where they're at as well because you are Emmanuel, 
God with us. And so in light of that truth, God, we are asking you to speak to us, to meet us here in this moment, wherever we're at. Lord, there's some that maybe are far from you. They don't have a relationship with you. I pray that you would reveal yourself to them, show them your love, your presence, and how real you are. Lord, for those that have been following you for years, God, I pray that you'd meet us in this moment and you reveal, reveal what you have for us in this coming season, in the coming days. Would you do that in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Man, why don't you go ahead and have a seat, and I'll just say to you, good morning, Rivers Church. Good to see you. You guys feeling good today? It's good to see y'all here. Good to see you and have you online with us as well. It's Christmas season. Who's excited about Christmas? Who thought Christmas would never make it this year, okay? It is here. You made it. Christmas. We're going to talk about the Christmas story. We're going to have some fun going through the Christmas story over the next few weeks as we talk about Christmas faith. And the Christmas story is just crazy. It's, I would say, even miraculous. I mean, think about this. We just read the beginning part where the angel Gabriel comes and meets with Mary and says, you're going to conceive. You're going to have a child. And she's like, uh, how? I'm a virgin. And so the whole Christmas starts with the virgin birth thing, which is very difficult for people to believe in. Virgin birth. Have you ever thought about that concept? Virgin birth. It doesn't make sense. It's an oxymoron, isn't it? it, it like, like freezer burn. Like really, like what is it? Freezer burn. Like that's, that's an oxymoron to us. Working vacation. Is that really even, what is that? Are you working or are you on vacation? That's an oxymoron. Uh, the bigger half. You ever heard that one? I'll take the bigger half. Like does that even make, that's an oxymoron. Alone together. Have you seen that hashtag? It's the hashtag that's popular right now. You know, they're encouraging to stay home as much as possible. But hey, we're alone together. Okay, that makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. It's an oxymoron, jumbo shrimp. You've heard that one, obviously, right? Is it big? Is it small? What is it? I don't, I don't know. Okay, crash landing. What was, was it a landing? Was it a crash? I don't know. Those are all ox, oxymorons, right? Virgin birth could be one of those. It's like an oxymoron. Like, what, what is this? And so it's one of the reasons, and probably really a main reason, why a lot of people won't believe in Jesus. They think this Christianity thing, this is like, this is a hoax. Like how on earth could a virgin birth take place? It's not possible. But I wanted to start off by giving us three facts that I think can help us know that we can trust this story of the virgin birth. Three facts that support our faith in the virgin birth. Number one is this. You gotta understand, Luke, the author of this book that we're reading, we just read through several verses in Luke chapter one. Luke was a medical doctor. Did you know that? The guy who wrote this was a medical doctor. You know what that means? He knew how this whole thing works when people getting pregnant and having kids. Like he totally understood that as a medical doctor. And even he believed in the virgin birth. He presented it as fact, even as a doctor. Number two, Luke was meticulous. He was a meticulous researcher who based his gospel on eyewitness accounts. In fact, actually, let me go ahead and read the first few verses of the book of Luke. And he even really says this. He lays this out from the very beginning. This is what Luke says. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. Therefore, since I myself have carefully invest, investigated everything from the beginning, it seemed good also to me to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. You get the impression here that Luke is from the very beginning saying, hey, I just want you to know, 
This is legit. I did a whole lot of research. In fact, Luke really becomes the first church historian that we have. He doesn't write just Luke. He actually writes the book of Acts, which is the history of the early church, how it was birthed and you know, the first several decades of the first century church. He's the first historian of the church, and he was a guy who did his due diligence in researching, investigating, to make sure that what he was communicating was true and accurate. In fact, tradition says that he spent a lot of time with Mary and interviewed Mary. And so that's why Luke really feels like the beginning of of the book of Luke feels like it's coming from Mary's perspective. And that's for good reason, because it is coming from Mary's perspective. Like he talked with Mary and says, explain to me how this all went down, and he lays it all out. So uh, Luke was a meticulous researcher who based his gospel on eyewitness accounts. Number three, if God created everything that exists, he can create a child in a virgin's womb. That's not a problem for him. Like if he created everything and if there, nothing exists except for he spoke it, then to put a child in the womb of, of a virgin, that's nothing in comparison to the creation of everything. That, that's easy for him to do if he thought this all up and, and spoke it into existence. This is nothing. And so you think about our faith in Jesus hinges on very, two very miraculous events, the virgin birth and then the resurrection of Jesus. Those two things are what trip people up in believing in Jesus and, and following him and, and being a Christian. And so you can see there's, there's good reason for us to actually believe that the virgin birth did take place. And let's also look again at verse 37 where the angel ends his discourse to, to Mary and he says this. He says, nothing is impossible with God, right? Nothing. Everybody say nothing. That's how much is impossible with God. Nothing. So God has the power and the ability to do that if he created everything. Pretty, pretty easy, right? So let's talk through Mary and this, the beginning of this Christmas story. Did you know that Mary was probably about 13 years old? Just beginning her teenage years. She was young, and she's just living the normal teenage girl life, growing up as a you know, normal Jewish teenage girl in Galilee, and she gets engaged, and she's engaged to a guy named Joseph, as we just read. And engagements back then were a big deal. Did you know that? Like, really big deal. Like, the people would gather in the town. It was a very public thing. Families would gather. The elders of the town would gather, and the couple would sign a document, and they would sign this covenant, basically, an agreement. Like, we're getting married. The elders would ratify it. And so it was a very public thing. But then what would happen is the man would offer a cup of wine, to his hopefully bride, his bride-to-be. And so then the bride would take that cup of wine and she had the choice in that moment to accept it or reject it, which is interesting to think about. She actually could say, you're not the one for me, I'm gonna wait for somebody else. And she had freedom to choose. And so if she drank that cup, that meant she's saying yes to this man and the man's like, all right, and he would take the cup And he would then drink that cup of wine as well. And then he would say these words to her publicly in front of everybody. He would say, you are now consecrated to me by the laws of Moses. And I will not drink of the cup again until I drink it anew with you in my father's house. And if those words sound familiar, it's because you're familiar with what Jesus said to his disciples. He said the very same thing in reference to a Galilean Jewish marriage. So 
from that moment on, the groom would then go, and he's excited. I, as my bride, they're, they're really, they're together, even legally, though they don't consummate and consecrate their marriage. They don't live together because he's got to go and prepare the house. He's got to go build a house. And so he takes about a year is typically how, this would t- how long this would take. And so he'd be building, preparing the house. Meanwhile, she is getting her dress ready, which apparently was a lot of work, had to buy lots of material and make it, and all of her friends are all excited. They're making this big wedding dress in preparation for the day. So that's the season that Mary is in right here when this angel Gabriel comes and literally interrupts her life. Think about this. God has the nerve to come in and say, I got some different plans for you, Mary, than you might have thought of. And he interrupts her in a very radical way. We got to understand culturally what Mary is saying yes to here. She could, once that baby bump begins to show, people are going to know it's like, you're pregnant. And Joseph's like, hey, it wasn't me. I didn't didn't do anything. And so then she'd be dragged out in front of the... front of the town and be stoned to death. She could lose her life according to saying yes to this message that God is giving her. So we understand the implications of Mary's answer. You also got to understand that she didn't know, hey, thousands of years later, people are going to read about me in the Bible and I got to make a good decision right here so I can be a good example for everyone to follow for thousands and thousands of years. Okay, she doesn't know this. She's living her normal life just like you and I do today. And God interrupts her with this invitation to come and, and do something new. And her, 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 her response, guys, is so profound. It's so amazing. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. I'm the Lord's servant. She has such a strong faith in God that she surrenders her life, her future, her dreams, everything to God in that moment. It's easy for us to kind of fly over the Christmas story and just kind of get caught up in the warm fuzzies of it, you know? Like, every year we love to do this when Christmas comes, we read the story, and, you know, Mary has a invitation from the angel. Angel says, you're going to birth the Messiah, and she's like, yay. And then Joseph is struggling with it, but then the angel comes and says, no, you, this, is, this is all from God, and he's like, yay. And so then they, they agree to this, and then they travel to Bethlehem, and there's no room in the inn, so that's like the bummer part of the story. But then Jesus is born in a barn, and everyone's excited, and the shepherds come because the angels were singing and told them about this, and then the three wise men come, and they give gifts, and it's just such a happy, feel-good, warm, fuzzy story. God, you're so good. This is so cute. We can get caught up in that, right? And forget what is going on with this young teenage girl's life. This costs her everything. As God literally comes and interrupts her. But you know what I've learned? Is that God's interruptions really are invitations to us in life. God's interruptions are really invitations. Mary was invited into a plan that was far, far bigger than her or than anything she would have ever dreamed of. It was going to cost her a lot. She could have easily said, no thanks, God. You got the wrong girl, wrong Mary. Maybe think of the other Mary that lives around the block. That Mary. Maybe you're thinking of her, not me, not this Mary. She could have easily said, that doesn't sound very easy. In fact, it sounds very uncomfortable, very difficult. That's going to cost me a lot. God, this is just too hard. You ever had those conversations? This is too hard, God. Why are you asking this of me? Because what God was asking Mary was going to require complete, full surrender on her part. 
So Mary had a faith that trusted in God. She said, I'm your servant. I'm the Lord's servant. What if she said no? I was thinking about this this week. What if Mary had said no? Sorry, I didn't sign up for this, God. Uh, It doesn't sound very fun. Thanks, but no thanks. And she would have missed out on God using her to begin his plan of redemption. And she would have missed out on a lot. And isn't it amazing how God will use us to accomplish his work here on earth? That's just an incredible thing, friends. That God would literally ask us, and sometimes it's a big ask, but he is wanting to accomplish his will to further his kingdom through us right here. He could do it himself. He could make it happen, but he chooses to use us and to work in and through us. But it all hinges on our ability to surrender to his will and to trust him. God's interruptions really are invitations. And I think that this year has been a year of interruption like none other. You probably heard that word a lot, like this, this interruption we're facing right now, this interrupt, this disruption. There's lots of big words that we've used throughout this year, but those are two of the popular words, right? This year has been a year of interruption. I wonder if God is wanting to use this year. I don't think he caused it, but maybe he's wanting to use this interruption to invite us into something new. Because he loves to take these interruptions and, and make them an invitation and say, I got something new for you. I wonder if God's inviting us to a new level of faith in him. I wonder if God's inviting us to let go of some cultural Christianity things that we've grabbed a hold of in our life that we've been holding on to that are not biblical or not of God. <laughs> I wonder if he's inviting us to get rid of some things in our life that have become idols, become way more important than him. I believe God wants to use this season to rip things out of our life that are holding us back. And there are things that God wants to do in your life, can do in your life, will do in your life if you and I just allow him. And that means sometimes we gotta let go of some things so we can move forward into the new, into the good, into the amazing that he has for us. Do you want that? The question I think for the year is this. For us as a church, now this is generally speaking, but all of us need to personally own this. Are we following the American Jesus or the crucified Jesus? What Jesus are we following? Is it the American version, the nice, cute, comfortable one, or is it the crucified Jesus? And so if I can just say, I'm going to take a few moments and just share my heart in this. So if if you hear my heart, feel my heart, this is out of a love, and this is out of a lot of prayer and processing, and I believe God wants to show you his power. I believe God wants to do something new in your life, but... I think it's important that we understand that it may mean we've got to let go of some things, shed some things, shed some weight that we've been carrying around. And so I'm just going to be honest and candid if I can for a few moments. Is that all right? Do you give me permission? Okay, make sure you continue to amen me even if you don't like what I'm saying or just just stick with me here, okay? Because here's the deal. We have developed a lifestyle in our culture in our American culture, we live in a first world country, which we're thankful for. There's so many good things about this, but it has caused us to enjoy comfort probably way too much. We love being comfortable. In fact, we will pursue comfort at all costs. It's what a lot of us live for. I just want to be, I got to be comfortable. And so we got, you know, nice homes. We got a roof over our head. You know, we get to enjoy the comfort of a lot of things in our life. 
We've got cars that work for us for the most part. We've got entertainment at our fingertips whenever, wherever we want. We have as much food as we need. Okay, we are blessed, but we also have, it's easy for us to grow very, very comfortable in this lifestyle. And now all those things, they aren't bad. They aren't bad, but what happens is that creeps into our spiritual life. And then we all, begin, all of a sudden begin to think, when I'm uncomfortable, it's bad and it's wrong and it's not of God. And so the American Jesus that I follow and believe in wouldn't allow this. And so if I'm feeling uncomfortable, Jesus, you got to fix this so I'm not uncomfortable anymore. Because I got to be comfortable. Jesus, that's why I said yes to you, right? That's why I'm following you, right? Jesus, it's, it's all about my comfort. And if he doesn't step in and make me comfortable, then I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to fix it. And we can easily go there. And sometimes we're waiting. We're, okay, I got to believe in you. Yeah, I trust in you. And, but then he takes way too long. We're like, okay, I got to step in. I got to help you out, God. And I got to fix this issue because I'm way too uncomfortable. And of course, that can't be your will if I'm uncomfortable. Huh. And we can end up birthing an Ishmael. Have you heard that term before? Where Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament, the father of our faith, Abraham, was promised by God for a son. And through his son, he said, you're going to be a father of nations, of many people. I will bless you and your children and your children. And it was an amazing promise from God. And, and as Abraham and Sarah prayed and waited and prayed and, and, and waited, it took a long time. And year after year after year after year passed. And they're like, God, you're not doing this. We better step in and we better help you. And so Abraham sleeps with a servant so that he has a son. A son is born, thankfully, to them at the moment. They name him Ishmael. But unfortunately, they got ahead of God and they birthed something that was not of him. And Ishmael caused lots of problems and tension in the family and, and would be that way for years and years to come with the family because they got ahead of God. They tried to fix something instead of trusting God through the long process. And that's what can happen to us, guys. If we get to this place where I believe in a Jesus, but it's really an Americanized version of Jesus where, God, I, you don't know what you're doing here. I gotta show you what's up. You're messing with my flow here, God, and I gotta get back into the flow. You know, I can get into this right place, but that's the wrong Jesus to follow. Following the American Jesus causes us to think that people can't think differently from me. Because Jesus wouldn't allow that, right? They gotta, everyone's got to agree with me. Following the American Jesus caused us to think that Jesus would never ask me to change. He would never ask me to let go of things that I like. Following the American Jesus caused us to think that Jesus exists to meet my needs and follow my plans. Okay, so as you can tell, the following American Jesus is all about me. It's not about him. And so we got to understand this. Your life, my life is not about us. It's about him. And if we're not careful, we can put Jesus into this American box where it's all about me and what you're going to do for me and all this. And we're following the wrong Jesus. Am I following the American Jesus or the crucified Jesus? The American Jesus really is the forgiveness only gospel that we've, we've talked about that in the past year. Forgiveness only meaning, okay, Jesus, I so appreciate what you did for me on the cross, you died for my sins because I know you love me. I'm so thankful for your love and your forgiveness. Would you forgive me my sins? Okay, now I can have a relationship with you. I'm going to heaven and I can continue living in my self-centered ways. <laughs> That's what it means, the forgiveness only gospel, where it just kind of stops with forgiveness, but then doesn't transform my life. But God wants to continue to do a work. That he, don't want, he doesn't want to just save us. He wants to transform us. 
and he wants to continue to work in us. That's his goal. That's his will. That's his plan. And if I don't allow him to do that work in me, I'm following the wrong Jesus. I want to follow the crucified Jesus. That's why I think Mary's words are so important, so profound. What does she say? She says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And I pray that you and I would have that same type of faith. It's a faith that surrenders. It's a faith that submits, that trusts God no matter what. That's the faith that Mary had. A faith in God that was so strong, she surrendered to his will. Was that going to be easy for Mary? No, right? No. Was it going to be worth it? Yes. Because it always is. It's always worth it to say yes to Jesus. But we've got to understand that the call to follow him is a call to a radical faith that surrenders our life fully and completely to him. Jesus said this in his words, Luke 9 records it. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. It's taking up our cross. Uh, not every other day, not every once in a while. It's, it's, it's a daily thing. Paul said it this way in Galatians 2. He says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And Paul in Romans 12 talks about this. He says, we're, we're called to be living sacrifices, which if we're talking about oxymorons, that sounds like another oxymoron, right? A living sacrifice. Like what on earth? Like it, it doesn't make sense, but it does. This is how you and I are called to be as followers of Jesus. And so I promise you there's going to be moments in your life where like Mary, you're going to come to a crossroads where God's going to come and he's going to speak to you and you're going to have a decision. Maybe you sense God is asking you to go a different direction than you never thought of, to do something new, to trust him in an even greater way or new way than you ever have before to let go of something. And you and I have a decision to make. Am I going to trust him or am I going to hold on to what I want. These are crossroads moments where we gotta decide. Am I really gonna put my faith fully in Jesus and surrender to his will? Or am I gonna kind of do that but still do my own plans and follow my own heart in life? These are important moments for us. Very important moments. And this is exactly what's happening to Mary in this moment. Okay, remember, God's coming and has the nerve to actually interrupt her life. He interrupts her, but really it's an, it's an invitation. He's inviting her on a new journey that's going to require really a whole new level of faith. The faith that she's had in God up to that point is, is not enough for this next level that God is calling her. And it's the same for you where it may take more faith for you to really trust God even more where God comes along and says, okay, now I want to do this in your life. So uh, let's let go of this or let's not do this anymore. Let's go this direction. You're like, whoa, 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 wait a second, God. I didn't, I, I wasn't prepared for this. I didn't ask for this. I didn't sign up for this. And we have a very similar moment that Mary has. These interruptions are invitations to something new, to a new level of faith. Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. 
I belong to you, God. My life is yours. May your word to me be fulfilled. I pray that you and I would have that same heart, that same faith of Mary. There's gonna be moments in our life where we're faced with this. Some small moments, some really big moments. I'll never forget for me, really the biggest moment for me outside of am I gonna surrender my life to Jesus was the moment God called me to be a pastor. I'll never forget this. It was about a month before I was going to graduate from high school. And I had all these grandiose dreams and desires. I was going to go and play basketball in college. And then I was going to transfer to the University of Washington. I was going to get a degree in like computer programming or science or something like that. Then I was going to go work with Billy Gates at Microsoft and get rich. I'd be able to buy a big, huge house overlooking Lake Washington, high enough on the hill where I could see over the other hill and to see the, the, the top of downtown Seattle. I'd have this you know, wonderful, amazing, beautiful family. I'd have European vacations wherever I wanted, go and vacate on the shores of Italy, on the Mediterranean. I'd be driving a Tesla. I mean, this is, what, this is my plans. Sound pretty good, right? Okay, sound kind of fun. And so I, I loved Jesus, though. I'll be honest. I really loved Jesus as a senior in high school. I just wanted to live for him and please him. But I had some plans that I was going to go after. And in this moment of, I'm praying at the end of this service. It was a Sunday night service at my home church I grew up in. And the guy who spoke that night gets up on the mic. And again, this is the end of the service for prayer time. And he says, hey, God's calling somebody in this room to be a pastor. And whoever that is, I just want you to raise your hand because I'm gonna pray for you. And in that moment, I knew it was me. I knew, do you know how I knew? Because my heart's like, I'm like, what? No. And I, just, and I began one of the hardest wrestling matches in my, God, in, in my life with God ever. I'm like, God, you, you, no, you, you, you know me, God. This does not sound like me. I got different plans, different ideas. That does not sound like fun. Pastors are boring. Why would I want to be a pastor? I didn't even like getting up in front of people. And I'm wrestling with God like this is, literally, guys, it is freaking me out. <laughs> but I knew God was speaking to me, but I had zero desire to be a pastor. Even as I said this, my daughter gasped in the first service because she's like, she'd never heard the story. She's like, What? I ran from that. And so what's funny is I wrestled, I wrestled probably about 15 minutes. Wouldn't you know the guy gets up on the mic again? Hey, I just know that God's speaking to somebody. He's calling you to be a pastor. Whoever that is, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. And you know what I did? Nothing. Nothing. I'm like, God, no, I didn't sign up for this. That isn't, I think you got the wrong guy. I was so scared. I had no desire to be a pastor. And, uh, I left that night and did not respond. The poor guy is probably thinking, did I hear from God? Man, maybe I didn't hear from God. He was obedient, I wasn't. Which goes to show you, our obedience doesn't always have immediate fruit. But once you know, okay, a month later, I graduate from high school and I had signed up for this missions trip. And so another month later, I went on a missions trip. It was to Barcelona, Spain. The Olympics were going on in Barcelona at the time. I got to go to the Olympics, which is partly why I went. That sounds super cool, but also be kind of a fun missions trip experience. Little did I know God was going to meet me there again. And so I'm praying around lunchtime with, with our team. We're getting ready to go back on the street and do some ministry. And once you know God speaks to me, just me there again. Everyone else is praying, but I just know God's, it's like this, this inner voice. He prompted me. 
And he said, Tyrone, I've called you to be a pastor. Maybe you've never experienced that before. And for me, that really was, I think, the first time I'd ever sensed God speaking to me like that. And I knew it was God because, again, there's no way I would have ever thought that. That did not come from me. It's one of those moments you almost want to say, get thee behind me, Satan. That is not from, that is not from God. That is the devil. I began another wrestling match. Again, there I am in Barcelona. I'm in this city called Gava, south of Barcelona. And I'll never forget this moment. The wrestling match this time didn't last very long. And I finally said, okay, God, this is what you called me to do. I trust you. I had no idea what I was saying yes to. I, I still was like, I'm still kind of unsure about this, but this is really what you call me to do. I trust you, Lord. And it's because of that decision that I stand before you here today. It was a crossroads moment for me. And I'm so thankful that God gave me a second chance. Because here's the deal, like, we serve a God of second chances. Aren't you, aren't you thankful for that? Okay, second chance. Give me a second chance. Like, I could be living the life, living the dream in Eastside Seattle right now, and I would be, um, I'd probably be miserable. I don't know. I mean, I'd be missing out on really all that God had for me, to be honest. And I don't want to say, like, if you've completely missed, you know, said no to God to a similar calling that you're miserable. I don't, want, I don't want you to feel that way at all because God's grace is there for us always. And he gives us chances. And maybe God's going to come to you and meet you in a, in a similar or very different way. But he's going to give you a second chance here as he invites you into something new in this season. This is a year of interruption. But I really believe it's a year of invitation where God wants to do something new you to a new level of faith, to a new level of obedience. It's time for you to allow God to do something new. It's going to require radical faith. It's going to require surrendering faith. But my friends, it is worth it. It's always worth it because here's what I've learned. God knows me way better than I know me. I can trust him even with the things that don't make sense. And I'm so glad now, years later, that I surrendered in that moment to the will of God. I don't know what would have happened to me had I not, but I'm thankful for it because God has blessed me through it. God will do the same for you. You and I all have different callings and gifts and, and directions, but I do know that God's got plans for you, and he wants to invite you to another level of faith as we come to the end of this year, 2020. And I think it's good for us to say, okay, God, you got my attention. Maybe he's already been doing this in you, but maybe you haven't stopped to listen. And I think the question we should ask ourselves as the, as the year ends, as 2020 ends, the question we should ask ourselves is this, is Lord, what is your invitation to me? What's your invitation to me, Lord? What do you call me to do? How are you coming to me in this season? Because again, the goal is that we would follow the real Jesus, Right? I'm a follower of him, a disciple of him, the crucified Jesus. And I've got to die to myself sometimes so I can find life in him. Lord, what is your invitation to me? And that always is going to include you and I being closer to him, by the way. It's always the goal of this invitation. I want you closer to me. I'm going to do something new in you, and then I'm going to even do something new through you but I want you closer to me. I want us as we end this service here today, just to, just to stop and with a posture of surrender and humility and submission to say, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. God, what's your word to me then? 
What's your word? Speak to me. What's your invitation to me right now as I end this year? You know, one of our convictions here at Rivers Church is that we live a lifestyle that's way too fast. It's a fast-paced, hurried, quick, I, I, I need my food now, I need my information now. I mean, I, I was gonna talk about a book that talks about this, it's kind of fascinating, but uh, I, I just think we all could agree, like, we see it. And it's important for us to slow down, and I would even say, stop, so we can just be with God. Sometimes he forces it on us through various situations. Sometimes he interrupts us, like this is clear interruption from God, like I'm gonna interrupt your life right now because I, I, I need to get your attention. But you don't have to wait for God to interrupt you. You can actually approach him. He's longing for us just to approach him every day and say, okay, God, what are you inviting me to today? Just approach him, let's approach him today. What do you have for me, God? What are you speaking to me, God? And we're gonna have this posture. We're gonna wait. So we're creating space. This is why we create space in our services so we can just wait on God. We can hear from God before we go off on our day. And I wanna encourage you, create space in your life. Slow down, stop. Be with God and receive. Hear from him. You and I desperately need that. We desperately need him. And have this mindset where Mary had and just say, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled today, Lord. Let it be fulfilled today. Man, guys, Mary, this story is so challenging and so beautiful at the same time. She let go of her entire future so that Jesus could be birthed in her, through her. But you know, the truth is, in a similar way, God wants to do the same thing in you. He wants to birth himself in you and through you. He wants to do work in you and through you. So we talked about in the Life in the River series, you know, the Spirit's working in us, drawing us closer to Him and sending us out. It's this inward work and this outward work that, that God wants to do. We've got to do the inward work though, not just focus on the outward. And we can't just focus on the inward and neglect the outward either, it's both. So you see, Mary, she carried the Savior to her generation and you have the same calling in your life to carry the Savior to your generation. People need the hope of Jesus and you have him. And so God wants to do a work in you so he can do a work through you. That's our goal here. We just wanna live this out biblically and just do it the right way. Like we wanna really, really follow Jesus the best we can here at Rivers Church. This is our goal. That's why I'm excited about January. If I can just talk about January for a moment. I know it's December and it's Christmas and all that. I'm excited about January. Uh, you know, most of you are probably excited about just a new year anyway, I guess, maybe 2021, please come. But in January, we're gonna launch these groups that are gonna, I think, really help us just to kind of go deeper in relationship with one another and with, with God. And these groups are groups of two or three people. You can just get two or three people together, men with men, women with women. You read the same scripture, you come together once a week, whenever works for you, anytime, anywhere, whatever works, makes it easy very relational, very organic. Talk about what God is speaking to you through his scripture. Ask each other good, honest questions that'll help each other and then pray for each other and then pray for your unchurched pre-Christian friends. And then the goal is, hey, let's invite someone. Hey, we're talking 
about the Bible and just kind of what we're learning as we read the Bible. We want to come and join us. And so that group for, of two maybe goes to three, maybe goes to four. Once it gets to four, we, we can't get any bigger than that. So we, we multiply into two groups of two. We keep doing the same thing. We're just growing. God's doing a work in us and through us as we're encouraging others. They're encouraging us. And we get a third, maybe we get a fourth. We go into twos again. We just keep this up. And this is just you and I just trying to be followers of Jesus who are living according to his word and helping our friends do the same. And then seeing other people find Jesus as well. I'm really excited about it. We don't know what we're going to call the name of this group yet. You know, we have a name now, but we're probably going to change it. So that's why I'm not telling you the name of the group, but we're going to launch these groups, whatever they're called in January. And that's part of our, our discipleship process here. We want to all just kind of love people into the kingdom, live in the kingdom and lead in the kingdom. It's this, this flow we want to live in right here. Love, live, lead. Man, we just so desperately wanted us to, to live out this following Jesus thing the best we can, guys. That's what we want. And here's what I know is a lot of American Christians will never do things like this because the Jesus they're following would never ask them to do something like that. But you and I, we need each other. And we need God. And we need him to do a work in us and through us because that's how we grow. And I'm looking forward to that in January. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be fun as we launch those into the life of our church. So remember what the angel said to Mary? Nothing is impossible with God. Let's love that. But this is something I learned in our freedom course study. The freedom course talked about that word nothing, which again, remember we said that earlier, nothing. So nothing is impossible with God, but that word nothing actually is two words. It's literally no rhema. Rhema is is the word for word, but it literally means revealed word. And so no revealed word from God is impossible. That is what the angel is saying. No word from God, whatever God speaks is possible. Whatever God speaks to you, if you allow it, will come to pass in your life. Whatever he reveals to you as he meets you right where you're at, he speaks to you, it is totally possible. It might, like for me being a pastor, impossible. That would be a miraculous act of God. That's how I felt. But I had to trust him for that. And I saw that word of God become true. And I saw, yeah, I guess it was possible with you, God. I guess I can do this thing with your help. And you do the same in your life as you let him help you. And my prayer for you is that you get a word from God here. As we're saying, Lord, what's your invitation to me? That's what we're saying. God, what are you speaking to me? You need the revealed word of God to come to you as we end this year. You need that. And whatever he speaks to you, we're all at different places in, in learning to discern God's voice. Just get in the word. Get in the word, he'll speak to you. That's that the revealed word can sometimes be the word of God. It's like jumping out. You read to that like, whoa, that's really cool. That's really good. Or that's for me. It can be simple as that. But God wants to speak to you, wants to reveal something to you. And whatever he reveals to you is possible, friends is possible. Do you believe that? You ready to receive something new from God? That's my prayer for you today. We're going to take a few moments right now and this week, just create space to just hear and receive from God. So worship team, why don't you go ahead and come up here and I'll just close by kind of going back to Joseph, talking about Joseph. We'll look at him in depth in a couple of weeks, but where's Joseph in this story? Can you remember that they're engaged, but Mary's getting this visitation from the angel. So where's Joseph in the story? And remember, he is going 
uh, he, he's working on this home that him and his bride-to-be are going to live in, right? So he is preparing a place for his bride, working hard and diligently excited. Can't wait for the moment where he gets to bring her into their home together, but he's working hard. And you got to understand that right now, Jesus is doing the same thing. He is preparing a home for you. It's a forever home. It's an eternal home. And if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never said yes to his invitation into a relationship with him, I want to encourage you to do so today. Maybe you're listening online and you have never committed your life to Jesus. Today's your day, December 6th, 2020. Let's end the year the best we possibly can in relationship with our loving God. Friends, there's 2,500 prophecies in this book. You know that? Over 2,500. About 2,000 of them have already been fulfilled. So we're just waiting on the other 500 and I'll talk about Jesus coming back. That's why Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, but then I'm coming back to take you back to our forever home. It's important that you and I are ready. Let's be ready. So say yes to Jesus today. Ask for forgiveness. Invite him to be not just the savior and the forgiver of your life, but the Lord of your life. Amen. Would you stand your feet? Let's pray. Just invite you to close your eyes right now. Maybe put your hands out, palms up, just kind of an outward posture of here I am, God. I'm just making myself available. God, is there anything you need me to let go of? Even if you're at home right now or listening online, just stretch your hands out, palms up before God. It's just a posture saying, here I am, God. I'm your servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. What are you, what are you inviting me to do right now, God? As they end this year, God, what's your invitation to me? For some of you, it's just an invitation to say yes, to commit to following him. Say yes to him right now. Others of you, maybe a change of directions, a letting go of things. It's a, but whatever it is, it's gonna be an act that's gonna require greater faith than ever in your life. But let's have a posture of, I trust you, Lord. I'm your servant. Would you come to me? Would you reveal yourself to me? Reveal what you're inviting me to do, to participate in, to experience. God, I'm, I'm available. Here I am. I'm your servant. And God, right now, I just pray for all my friends that in this moment that you would speak, lead, encourage, move, even convict. God, just reveal your power to them right now. Would you do that today? Would you do that in the coming days as we just create space and come to you and say, God, what are you inviting me to? What's your invitation? I'm willing, I'm able, I'm ready. I'm your servant. God, would you, would you move and would you work and would you act? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.